What's going on, guys? I am your host. I go by the name of R.S. Plaza. I'm super excited today for my guest. She's like a celebrity because I've been asking her to do this podcast for probably like two years now. And um, she finally agreed. And it was good. Shout out to JB. I, I, I texted him earlier today and I was like, yo, who should I get for the podcast? And it was actually Jared that, that mentioned it. I've been saying it, but I kind of let lost hope. But um, Jared was like, you should get Tracy on. I was like, actually, um, you know, you're right. So I reached out and, and you kind of impromptu jumped on it. So Tracy, what's going on? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so Tracy's, I know celebrity. So Tracy's acting a little nervous, but um, she's no nervous, man. She's uh, so introduce yourself. I can I, I can hype you up all day, but introduce yourself. Um, Tracy Phipps. I'm an R&B singer songwriter from outer space. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, also in retail, fashion, business management, and I also have a nonprofit called Time for Tea. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive into that a little bit more, Tracy. You're you're very multifaceted. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes people struggle with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, having so many talents and like, where do I put my energy? How for you so far, where how have you been able to pour your energy into different facets and and excel at it? Because I personally, from the outside looking in, have really just seen you take everything you touch to the next level, whether it's time for tea, whether it's music, whereas it's being an executive at, at Uniqlo and now shifting. I probably can announce the next move, but, um, <laughs> you know, you know, Uniqlo. So like you, you, everything you touch, you excel at. So how do you divide your energy and at that and at that make it just something that's great yeah i mean honestly it's it's funny that you mentioned from the outside and it looks like that from the inside out i feel like i'm all over the place sometimes and super overwhelmed and definitely not disciplined but um i think there's a lot of things that can contribute to that one is the grace of god giving me the strength to be able to do everything um, my dreams that keep me up at night. So, you know, if I have something in my heart that I really want to accomplish, whether it's with music or it's with uh, women empowerment or with youth empowerment or with ministry, um, you know, it just keeps me up until I can actually fulfill it. So I think checklists are helpful. Sticky notes, Google calendars, all those things that I use to try to like organize my life basically and where does this energy come from like not 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 necessarily the energy because you're a bundle of energy just as i am but in the sense of like you know just you you i guess the motivation your why like where where does that come from because you pour a lot of into what you do and you could tell like it's it's passion and it's coming from a deeper place so what is that deep place to you mm -hmm. i think outer space no <laughs> yeah. no but i genuinely um i think it's a lot of it has to do with my faith but i genuinely believe that every person has a purpose in life. So it's like, you don't just exist to take up space or air. Like you were born for a specific reason, for a specific time. So for me, I just have this strong belief in myself that I was created for something. Um, and all of the gifts that I've gotten implanted in me through God, I just have to put them all to work. Otherwise, like I say, my dreams keep me up at night. So I think a lot of the passion comes from just knowing that I've been called for greater, knowing that I'm not getting any younger, and as time goes by, I have to do everything that I've been called to do. But also my mother, yeah. my mother's a hard worker. She raised um, me and my sisters. She was an independent mom, um, and she just worked so hard to give us what we have. And I mean, she's an immigrant from Dominican Republic, didn't speak any English to this day, still doesn't really speak <laughs> English, but still manages to provide for her family, You know, put us under a roof, had eventually bought her own house, um, works really hard and does ministry work and does all this other stuff. So, um, you know, a lot of it for me is like if my mom, a woman that can't even speak this language in this country, was able to do so much um, and raise, you know, two two tropical storms because I'm a twin, so it's tornado and hurricane, and then my older sister who's now a pastor. Um, but if she was able to do this to me, it makes me realize like that there's that I need to be able to do even more. So she's like really what drives me. Nice and it's funny because I, I wanted to get right there too. Like you know, one thing about my podcast is like I like to show the journey and the possibility, and that not everybody you know because sometimes again from the outside looking in, it looks pretty, right? Mm -hmm. we, you know, you look at Instagram, but you know, let's keep it real. Like that's like a highlight reel. Right. Exactly. So. So, you know, with you, though, like you didn't have a silver spoon, you know, you, you your mom really grinded it out and worked and she was a single mom. So it's interesting to me to show that side. Right. Like, yeah, you're here now, but that's not where you came from. Mm -hmm. Right. So what was that mindset of like 
what was the mindset shift? Because, you know, your mom, you, you know, was it something that you've seen from her, like the entrepreneurial mindset? Or where, where did that come from? Because you're a hustler. Like if you, if you put your mind to something, you're going out there and, and go and get it. And, and again, you didn't come from a rich family or, you know, none of that. So where does your mindset come from? Like, I, I'm a hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think two things. One, my mother, because she was a hustler too. Um, I think she contributed a lot to my mindset because... Um, growing up, and I, I see parents do this, and I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak and say what you should and shouldn't do for your children, but I know what works for me. And I know when I was a child, my mother, I never once heard her tell me like, Tracy, shut up, or Tracy, you're dumb, or Tracy, you can't do that, or Tracy, That's good. don't That's good. try to, like my mom never spoke negative about me and my sisters, and everybody else did, because like I said, me, I was a twin, we were bad, like, <laughs> I mean, like, bad. I know there's bad kids out here, but we were really bad. Um, and I know that that was like tough, but people would say stuff about us like, oh my God, they're, they're horrible. But my mom would always come like, no, they're angels. They're sweet. They're amazing. They're going to do great things. So for me, that just programmed me. And I think that also changed me because I could have ended good. up That's in good. a completely different situation if I had really listened to what people were saying, um, externally, I actually at one point wanted to drop out of high school. So, you know, my mom's affirmations and her positivity really helped me to move forward. The second thing I would say is I'm a risk taker. Like yeah. I've lived in Japan right out of college. Right out of, yeah, right out of college, I got an offer to go live in Japan. I saw it on Craigslist. Oh, wow. Super sketchy, but I was like, this. So now Uniqlo came from Craigslist? Yes. Wow. Tell <laughs> and, that story. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I saw that on Craigslist. The English was poor English. Like it was like mad sketchy and. I told my mom about it, but I eventually interviewed. They flew me to New York to interview me. That's when I knew it was legit. Because you lived in D.C., right, at the time. So I was like, okay, this is legit. They're actually flying me somewhere, and they paid for my ticket. And I got there, and there was a car waiting for me. So, um, I mean, just taking risks. Like, once you live in a different country, and I tell people all the time, if you're young and you can live somewhere else and travel, you have to do it. I know people who have never left their city. And to me, that makes no sense because the world is such a big place. But... You're driving, my drive and my passion comes from seeing other people succeeding and then also knowing that like there's a big world out there. So that's good. So you get on, so, so you get the job, right? Let's shift gears a little bit. So you get the job, Uniqlo is a fast retail um, store and you, you did, did you even work in a store in the U.S. or they, you straight went to Japan right after I that? I think we did like two weeks in the U.S., and then you went to Japan. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Like, because, you know, I visited Japan as well. And it's just a whole different world. Like their way of life, the way that they do things. You know, I described it as the standard. Like they had a very, it's a big standard of just how they're, there's a standard of everything that they do. So being, um, you know, a young girl from D.C., because not even from New York City, granted like D.C. is a city as well, but not even as big as New York to go to like, Japan where the lights are big and everything really about Japan is yeah everything about Japan is big and wild so what was that like like getting out there like do you remember like could you channel yourself to that day like going into the city and first time seeing that big Japan world like how did you feel I felt scared (laughs) and I was very over I think the first one of the first days we got there we landed, we were with a team, so it was like five of us, and we got to our apartment complex, which was the size of a closet. Like, my room was literally, if I moved to the left, that was my bed. If I moved to the right, that was the toilet. And if I moved forward, that was the kitchen. Wow. So, that, like, if you it's think compact, New York yeah. is compact, Japan is compact. Um, but, like, I remember the first day we landed and we got to our apartment, we actually saw a car in front of our apartment upside down that had just had an accident coming off the highway. Um, and I was like, yo, this city is crazy. Like we just pulled up That's and what you got cars there. upside down and all crazy. Um, I mean, it just kind of felt like one of those video games where you go in and you're like, there. there's different levels to streets and highways and different things. And you just kind of feel like you're in a futuristic place. But um, it was culture shock, honestly. It was, it was definitely culture shock. So how did you get around? Like, did you get you know, the food? Did you did you like? Nope. You did, you so. did, did, you, did you eat at first? Because like, no. their food is wild. My like, mama told me don't eat nothing that's not cooked. So, so. And they had like a lot of raw stuff. So what would you eat? What was your diet? Bread and rice. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you eat at the McDonald's though? They got the shrimp burgers at McDonald's. I don't know what was in them burgers. Was, so they had like all types of shrimp burgers and types. I don't know. So you're just scared at first. Like, let me just stick to the basics, mm-hmm. what I know. And I would go to the grocery store and, and everything's in Japanese. So it's like, it looks like butter. But when you get home, it's tofu, 
So I just also like just didn't shop. I just went for like what I knew. <laughs> it was it was pretty rough. I lost a lot of weight. I bet. I bet. That's crazy. I, did, I didn't really know that. So, all right. Now you're working for Uniqlo, right? It's, it's, a, it's a retail store. And, and um, you know, you were like, let, let's talk about some of your early accomplishments, right? Like, weren't you one of the youngest managers or like, mm-hmm. let, talk about your early leadership roles in Uniqlo? Because I want to take you, I want to take the audience somewhere, but I want to, I want to kind of like build it up. So let's talk about like your first kind of like leadership roles in Uniqlo and how, how was that? Yeah, after I came back from Japan, I was there for three months and came back, um, was at the Herald Square location in New York and then eventually just there for like about a month to settle and then we eventually got to like our assignments. So I, um, I oversaw one of the um, first mall stores. So at the time, Uniqlo only had three stores in the US. So I was part of like their opening strategy that they were having. Um, eventually got promoted from there, opened my own store on my own. Um, and I think that was one of my biggest accomplishments because from that store, I had an, I, we have auditors that come from Japan to visit and look at things. I had an A audit on that store. The auditor was so impressed that they actually flew me to Japan to receive an operational. So, so this was in New York? You opened this up was, the- by this time I was in Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So that was my first store I opened on my own. And by that time, they flew me to Japan to receive an operational excellence award from the founder, Mr. Yunai. So how old like, are you at this point? Mm, I think like 23. Three or twenty-two or three and twenty-three. So wow. I'm like, yeah. So, so talk about it. So, you, so you go out to Japan. You get an excellent award because your store was such a modeled store. Yeah, the auditor was like, we we have never seen a store like this in the U.S. Um, and you know, just globally, the customer service and like the level of standards with the staff and also my interactions and how I, how I was like my presence. They said was really impressive, so that's why they gave me then the Operational Excellence Award, which at that time um, they had only given that award once in the whole lifetime of like Uniqlo. So I was like the second recipient to get that. Um, Were you the first non-Japanese person to get it? Was yeah, the first of course non-Japanese that- young. Eventually, I think by maybe a year after that, I eventually went and ran the Herald Square, Thirty Fourth Street location, and that store had three hundred employees, and I think I was like twenty four at the time. At that by then, I was already like with bonus and everything making six figures and I was already like managing up to 300 people and I was just like, okay, <laughs> you can do this, Tracy. So it was what, a lot. What did you think for you, what made you if, you, if you had to like say what made you special and what made you unique in those times to make you stand out, what do you think it was? Um, I think it was grit. When I joined the company, my first orientation day, I'll never forget this, on my first day when I joined the company, it was like culture shock. I had never, you know, I grew up Pentecostal, so I had never left my house, and this was like the first time ever I was gonna like not be home with my mom and my family. And I remember sitting in the orientation and the trainer pulling me out in the middle of the orientation just saying like, hey, I'm really concerned with you. You don't really look focused. You don't seem like you're interested. Is this really something you wanna do? In orientation. Yes. I was like, are you serious? I left my whole family to be here. So why would I, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, you know, your facial expressions, you just kind of look, I'm like, I'm just overwhelmed. Like I'm just trying to take it all in. So that was like the first impression they had of me. And then even my first um, actual role in store, the GM at the time, um, he makes fun of me now. He was my first boss. But he told me, he's like, man, the first day I met you, Tracy, I literally looked at you and I was like, oh, this little girl's going to eventually quit. She's not going to be able to like manage this. So I think for me, it was just grit and trying to prove people wrong. But more so, it's like, again, back to my mom, like my mom never told me, Tracy, you can't do something you're not capable. So for me, it was like, if I want to do this, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm not really going to let people put me in a box or judge me. So definitely. And some people see these clips, but you're an Afro-Latina in, uh-huh. a, in like a Japanese male driven, you know, industry. Right. So, so it's interesting to hear that now. And it kind of like makes sense. Like, you know, I can see all these like Japanese, like, who is this girl? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you ever feel like, did, did that count against you? Like, being Latina, being a female, like, let's talk about that. Like, do you feel that that kind of set you back? Like, what was that? Did you ever kind of get a feeling that that was something that bothered people? I actually, on the contrary, when I was around Japanese people, I felt like because I was different, they always gave me a voice. They were very, like, they were very curious. Like, they were always interested in, like, what does she have to say? What's going through her mind? At the same time, I also proved myself. So it's not like I just... I didn't land in rooms just, you know, barging in. I actually had worked my way up to a position. So by the time, you know, I'm managing 
one of the largest stores in the US. I was already flying to Japan. I think I was at one point in Japan like three times a year. Um, and at that point, I had already made a relationship with the founder and everything. So me being in the room made, made sense. Made sense. But yes. For me, the hardest was actually in the United States with Americans. Mm, they couldn't so Ameri- get over it. So American males or just American in general? Females, gender? more so. Both males and females. But I had the most struggle with American females, especially that were older than me. But in general, I, at one point in my career, I almost was like, I don't even know if I want to do this because I literally felt like the people around me didn't want to accept me as their leader. And because everyone was so used to having an expat male leading a store. So when I took on that 34th Street Herald store, that was one of my hardest assignments because I just felt like everybody was just like, for no reason. Like it was like I was doing my job, but just people just, it didn't sit with people well. Like there was never a good reason. It was just kind of like, we just don't like her there. Like it needs to be, I always felt that feeling of like, they didn't want me there. They were so used to something else. So... I like that. Let's talk about that. So, you know, being in that position and feeling like, man, everybody around me is like out to get me and they don't want to see me grow and they don't want to see, see me succeed. Like that's a time sometimes people retreat or quit just to be like, it's not even like quitting to them, but it's just like, you know, I don't want to deal with this. Let me go over here. What was your mindset to get past that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, I think, and this is advice I give people all the time in, in your career, you should always be open and, and, um, interviewing with other companies. Um, For me, it was a lot of, my confidence also came from the fact that a lot of other companies were reaching out to me. I wasn't job searching, but I was constantly being asked like, hey, we're interested, can you come interview? Like I was entertaining a lot of different things because it was like, you never really know. But having those offers or constantly interviewing and entertaining those conversations to me always gave me a leverage and it made me feel like, if things don't work out here, I can always go here. And that gave me confidence. That's one thing. Um, but also the second thing is just like, I found partners in the business. Like, you know, it wasn't everyone that was bad. It so was like, allies in sense. Yes. I found allies above me, beneath me. You know, I made, I was that's really good. close with like the housekeeping team, anyone that spoke Spanish. I was trying to be very like, you know, open. And I always asked my staff like questions like, you know, how do you feel? How's everything going? Like, I wasn't like that with everyone, but I did try as much as possible to find allies, but I also knew I wasn't going to be there forever. So it was almost one of those like, Tracy, you're not going to be here forever. Do what you can and just graduate from the stage. It was almost like a game, like graduate, do your best and just move on. And eventually these people are just going to like eat your dust. Nice. So That's awesome. So on the climb up, what advice do you have for you know, our younger people in corporate or just trying to really make a career path for themselves, right? Because what I, what I find interesting about you is like, you know, sometimes people think oh, I need to own my own business to make X amount of money or I need to do this. Like you've made six figures multiple times year after year being in a business, growing in a business that wasn't yours, right? And I think right now we have this facade of like, oh, I can't work retail, right? Like, you know, I can't work retail. That's beneath me. But like you've made a career in six figures, traveled with the world and done amazing, super amazing things off of being a leader in a other organization. So what advice would you have for people in that in that space? Mm-hmm. I would say especially for people that are creative, um, because for me growing up, also being Dominican, it was like very common that you were going to be, a, you know, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or something to be able to be successful and make your family proud. But like for me, I just... I loved my mom and how she, well, I love her because she's alive, but (laughs) I love how when I told her, I just, I'm not interested in being a lawyer anymore. And I was just like, I want to try fashion. And she was just like, bueno, bueno, ella dice que quiere hacer fashion ahora, pero tú sabes. My mom was just like, well, I don't know, but I guess go ahead and do it. And the moment I did it, she just supported me 100%. So um, for anyone that thinks that there's no money to be made in fashion and retail, y'all are tripping mm-hmm. because right now, what is everyone doing? Shopping online, especially if you go into digital e-commerce, it's a huge market. I mean, I manage, just to put things into perspective, a lot of the people that I manage on a upper management level, like store managers or people that are running stores are making well over $80,000 a year. That's and good. that's not a lot of like what a lot of people can say. So. I think for anyone that wants to look down on the retail job or that walks into a store and treats people that are working retail like crap, uh, at the end of the day, I'm just like, whatever, I don't, 
it, I don't like it, but I know that there's a lot of opportunity in retail. So I would encourage anyone that's into fashion, but also that's not that wants to be an entrepreneur to try something with retail because it does give you an opportunity to really have a sense of like what having a, a fashion business even looks like. You know, you can hire your own people, you can fire your own people, you can manage your own merchandise, you can also make your own layout plans, you can do your own marketing partnerships. Um, you can work on projects with other collaborators and other artists. So there's a lot of room for flexibility and it's not your money. It's yeah. somebody else's money. So you can mess That's up good. That's good. and it's not going to hurt your pocket. So even for me, like I'd love to own a brand, but it's like I know how much work goes behind it and I'm not going to do something halfway. Like if I'm going to do retail, it's going to be a, a thousand like I'm I'm coming after big giants. So it's not something that I plan on doing anytime soon, but it's um it's hard. Definitely. So I love what I'm doing, but um, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of people if they wanted to enter this field too. And what I say is like people, I think, get stuck and I don't know if it's the hype or, or, or what it is, but there's transferable skills and mm-hmm. everything that you're doing, there's transferable skills. So sometimes it's like we want to go out and we want to build this, uh, this, this empire. We want to do this. And you said something's good. It's like, it's not your money. Like you're getting able to learn at, at the cost of a, of a corporation. And, and like you, like, and I, I've been in, I've traveled 47 States by working for somebody else. Yeah. Right. And like, that's the experience. Like nobody could take that from me. Nobody could take that. I've, I've been to 47 States speaking and teaching. Like you can't take that. So my question to you is like, you know, what skills have you noticed the most that have been transferable into your entrepreneur projects? Because you because you get busy too. like mm-hmm. outside of corporate, <laughs> you get busy in, in entrepreneurship. And a lot of people don't understand that skills are transferable. So what transferable skills have you just really noticed? Like, oh, yeah, I've, I've brought this into time for these other ventures. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think collaboration is huge. A lot of people. I mean, you don't understand, even with Time for Tea, one of my main things that I tell people is like 75 or 85 percent of a child's success is is equated to their social skills, not their academics, not who you know, not your parents, not like your your success. A huge part of that plays in your social skills. And before I even did retail, I was super shy. Like I was introvert. I mean, I'm still introverted, but like I didn't know how to hold a conversation. I was super awkward. Like I was just weird. Um, And working retail literally opened me up and put me in a position where it was like, you have to talk to people, you have to sell stuff, um, you have to be able to convince people to close a sale. Um, And honestly, as an entrepreneur, that's all you do. You're closing sales, you're convincing people to follow your brand and why your brand's important. Um, You're managing, you know, a profit and loss statement, which is also very important, being able to balance your books. Um, Building the right team are also skills that are that are great to transfer into when you become an entrepreneur. But being able to hire, onboard, interview the right people and then eventually having to let go of people that don't work. So there's a lot of skills that I think can transfer um, just in general. But for me, it's been a lot of like the the team building and people like um social skills building that's good yeah and it's it's so true right like you know and you, and you see some of these academes that you know have straight a's all of their life and then come to the real world and they're either socially awkward or they end up with just some career like kind of behind a desk so i like that like developing skills internally and you can never again you can't break that like you know having those skills are skill sets that you could transfer so segueing, right? So, you know, amazing things in the corporate world and just growing and blossoming and going through those challenges. And then, you know, I think, what was your, fir- do you remember, what was your first entrepreneur thing? Because I, I want to get to where you're at now with your entrepreneurship, but I'm interested to know, like, did you have different hustles growing up? Yes. Or, 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 or was like, this just, so let's talk about that. No, by the time I was 12, I worked at a hair salon. I was doing rollos and washing hair at a hair salon. So, so for my English people that don't know what rollos is, what is that? Rollos. I know what it is, but what if, for the English people, the rolls on the head. Okay, the so you're in the salon. You're in the salon putting the rolls <laughs> in the, the head. Rolls on people's head, washing people's hair, putting the rolls in their heads. Um, I was braiding people's hair at church on the like during the preaching. I would pull people into the bathroom and charge fifteen bucks to do their braids halfway. Um, I was making t-shirts so my because my mom was a missionary she would travel so I would always make t-shirts of different countries I've I learned certain styles or certain um, skews or certain types of um, designs that sold better for t-shirts so that was also part of the hustle that I was learning Dominican Republic flags always sold out um, y'all Dominicans and proud. Then, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think by then I was I was doing those things. I was doing hair. I was doing hair on the side. I was in a salon. I was making T-shirts. I'm sure there were other little things, but a lot of it was just like little hustle like that. So before we get to what you got going on now, I don't think I've ever asked you, but like, you know, you talked about being a lawyer and these things and like, you know, where was like your first sense of, okay, I want to do fashion. Like, and you have a unique, like sometimes you put on some sh- and I'm like, I had to learn to stop questioning your, your, your <laughs> outfit. Is it like, yo, that's kind of out there, right? But hey, you're a fashion diva. That's your industry. Like, what was your first, okay, I want to do fashion? Like, what mm-hmm. what, what, what brought that about? Um, I think as a, as a girl, me and my sisters would always dress up. So that just naturally we liked clothes and we liked dressing up. Um, I actually really wanted to be a lawyer. I kind of still do. I feel like there might be time at some point, you know, a little bit down the line. Definitely. Um, never too late. But I remember telling my mom I wanted to be a lawyer and then eventually getting a, an actual internship at a law firm. It was a, probably not the best thing to do because it was a foreclosure law firm. Um, but I just remember going in every day. I think we were in like high school about to graduate. It was so boring. Like I was like, all these attorneys and lawyers look so like, do they just, it just looked boring. It just, I was like, I can't, like, I'm too creative for this. I can't just kind of like do this, not to jock lawyers. I think it's a great job. And if it's, if you're passionate about, you know, making change and things like that in that sector, I think there's definitely a lot there. But for me at a young age, it wasn't like, you already know I have aliens in my head. (laughs) So I was not going to be able to sit and just like process things like that. So um, when I was in high school, they we had like um, during our senior year, we had one of those like where the job fairs, jobs would come. Mm-hmm. And Club Monaco was one of the brands that showed up and they were just so posh and like so affluent looking and like so like cool. They were like the cool kids and like the whole job fair. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys look so cool. What is this? I want to do this. Okay. And that was where I was introduced to fashion. And I started working at Club Monaco. And then I was like, Mom, I want to do fashion. I want to do what they're doing. Okay. So and you got I your first like, retail job. And it's like, all right, this yeah. is, this is mm-hmm. that's cool. That's cool. They just looked cool. I was like, y'all look fly. So that's, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. I didn't, I didn't, never really asked you that question. So now, now let's, let, let's shift gears a little bit. You know, you, you have comp, again, you accomplished great things in the corporate. What, what, where did the passion for, you know, you talked about early on tie for tea and, and now it's actually, you created it to be a nonprofit. Um, where, where did that stem from? Did you see that it was going to go this far? Like, where did it stem from? And like, you, you now it's been what, two, three years. I would say we're going on four years now. What, what, what sparked that? And, and, and talk a little bit about what that is. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you were actually there when we had like the barbecue, we were out talking about stuff and just talking about goals and dreams and stuff. And I remember just having this idea of like, you know, especially through you, cause you were one of the first people I met when I moved to Orlando and you just had such like an affluent background of, of friends. Like, you know, you had friends from like different cultures. And I remember being exposed to that and just being like, wow, like there's, there's so many different cultures here and everyone's kind of like all over the place. And I, I wanted to just do something where I brought people together. Like all the women that I'd met that were great from different backgrounds, I wanted to bring them together. So the idea was to just have a tea party. I didn't think it would grow. I didn't think it was going to become more. But I think that that's where um, God kind of gives you an idea or plants a little thought and a seed. Um, and something my sister has always taught me is that you know that something is of God if you see the 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 fruits the labor of the fruit. So in mm, other words, good. it's like if something is growing naturally and it's you know you plant a tree and it starts to flourish on its own, you know you've planted it in good ground. So um, just with the natural growth, I knew it was something that I had to pursue. And there were times that I wanted to quit, but it was one of those things where again I would just lose sleep. Like if I was like, all right, I'm not doing it anymore this year, it was like I would just have dreams of like the decor and I would have dreams of the theme and I'm like, oh man, I have to do this again. So that's cool. So you do your first like tea party, right? Mm-hmm. And and people that know Tracy, they'll vouch for this. You don't do anything small. Like you're <laughs> extra as ish. Like so so talk about that first one. Do you remember like the first one? Cause it was no just small little thing. Like how did you create the the format and what was going to be delivered and then like what was your like wow like after you did it i i think my goal was and my goal still is with my team that you know glory to god we have a team now but the goal has always been to be very intentional with like one who's in the room but also offering opportunity for anyone to really be there but also being intentional with who we invite to be there but also um another big goal was just like 
making sure that every moment that passed during the event was well spent. Like I didn't want to have an event where people were on their phones or people were just kind of like lounging around and just hanging out and just looking for something to do. Like, so we, we, I started with a program, like what's the goal here? How much time do I have? And you can ask like Ursula, I think there was one of the events where she was like my co-host and I was literally sweating because I was like, oh my God, we're two minutes behind. Like we're two minutes behind. She's like, Tracy, calm down. It's okay. I'm like, we're two minutes behind schedule. They're talking too long. So I had like things like really, really laid out. But um, yeah, I think just thinking about in general, what is the objective? What do I want people to walk away with? And my goal always is someone has to cry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, if somebody's heart isn't touched or if somebody's not like walking out of there crying or if I don't see some type of pull at like tug at the heart, then I'm like, man, we failed. But the glory to God, it's never been that. It's always been like an event where we have people in tears and their their lives are being transformed. So. Definitely. It's an all-women's event, but I have been multiple times and <laughs> the energy in the room is always dope. You're always making you an impact. Uh, I was probably <laughs> in there like, man, put the seats and stuff. No, but it's always a dope vibe and, and, and I think you do exactly what you say and, and it's impact. And, and you know, I, I agree with you. When you, when you lead with your heart and, and you're doing things just, you know, as you feel God will want it to do it. It's just this connection that, you know, it can't be, you know, because as you say this, I think of leadership talks and right now we're behind this month and like, it's just bothering me. Like there's nights where it's like, man, why am I not doing this? And it's like, bro, I don't get paid for this. It's, it's no, you know, like I'm past like the, even the pride stage where it's like, oh, you know, I'm like on stage, like it's an impact thing. And I think that when you're doing things from that, that, that state of mind and that heart, and, and you see it like just naturally, right? Like you, you set it up and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this thing is way bigger than I even thought it was going to be. Um, that should be your push to keep going. One thing that I think would be dope to touch on, and it's something that, you know, I'm actually focusing on now with my brand is you've created a whole team and like I've seen your team in action. <laughs> like they buy in. Sometimes I laugh with you with some of the stuff that, that, that you be having your team do what? and you're doing. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all <laughs> good fun. But you just, you just be working these mofos like they, <laughs> like, they not, like and they love it though. And, that, and that's and that's the point that I'm going to get at. Right. Like you be working these mofos like it's a job and they're on the clock. It and is a salary. job. No, it is. It is. And I think that's why you win because you look at it as a job. But my question to you, yeah, like my question to you is, how do you get people to buy in? (laughs) Like, how did you get people to buy into that vision? Because a lot of times people don't know, like when you're doing these projects, you know, I do leadership talks or you put on events, like you're not getting paid for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've, you know, I should be transparent. You've lost money on these events sometimes just wanting to like go over the top (laughs) and like give the best you like, know the budget out the window yeah like you like <laughs> your, your main thing is to make an impact so sometimes you just you just go over the top so people aren't getting paid you know how do you get the people to buy in to a mission and 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 not only buy in but take it to the next level how, what do you think attributes to that i think the focus is a little bit reverse i don't try to get people to buy in mm, that's good i find I don't even find I just pay attention to who has already believed in what I'm doing that's good and I target those people so actually like our operations manager now her name is Anna during the last event where we actually had the biggest turnout two years ago because you know COVID year didn't even we forgot that year but the year before that um she was actually sitting at Doveco in like the the bar like not the bar but like the coffee shop area with her friend like doing something and we were there the night before we were setting up and she's just sitting there like watching. Like, oh, so she wasn't even a part of it at that point? She wasn't a part of it. She was just sitting, a bystander sitting, and she's like, what are you guys doing? What is this? So she was just curious. And then I just took a moment of my time and spoke to her about it and told her about it. And she immediately was like, oh my God, I love that. I've been trying to be a part of that. Like, can So she wasn't able to actually come to the event because she had a prior engagement. But then we had coffee a few weeks later. I told her about everything. Um, and she joined the team. And since then, she's like one of the sometimes I have to back down because she's like, I'm the operations manager and I said do this. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's good. That's good. And let's talk about that. Right. Like sometimes with our vision, 
right? We have this grand vision and it's hard to let other people lead that vision, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, no, no. I see it this way, right? And, and you know, people, I always talk about like JV, Jared's like a character on the podcast. <laughs> like if you really listen to the podcast, he's never been on not one episode, but everybody knows about him. And sometimes, you know, like for example, we had a shirt come out this line and he created the designs and he made this one and like, his thing is simplicity. Like normally I'm the loud one and I'm, I'm very bi- vibrant. But with our designs, if you ever notice, it's very simple and clean. But all of a sudden he pulls out this shirt and yeah, it's like my favorite one. Yeah. And, and that's and to my point, like he pulls out this shirt and I didn't believe in it. I was like, nah, bro, like this, like it goes against your theory because this is a theory that he's instilled in me. And I'm like, no, bro, like this is the thing. But then I had to step back and be like, no, this is my teammate. Yeah. I have to believe in it. And the shirt's almost sold out. And it's like one of our best selling shirts from that line. Mm -hmm. So uh, how have you learned that? Like, even (laughs) though it's your vision and and it's like, no, I'm the CEO. How have you learned to let other people lead? I think that comes with my experience in retail. That's good. Like I've, I've been leading people for well over 10 years. So it's like. Eventually in your career as a boss, you learn, you, you build a leadership style, but you eventually learn the lesson of like, you're, it's not about your idea. It's the best idea that needs to win. And the best idea is not always your idea. Mm, that's so good. That's good. I've always just, um, and I've, I've had times where I've not listened to people's ideas because I'm of the pride. But like after, after you've led for several years, you just kind of like, <laughs> all, all right, right. Y'all, y'all know what's best. Like I'm not, even now, like my team is like, Tracy, we have meetings every Tuesday at 5.30. Every Tuesday at 5.30, da, da, da. we got to put these meetings on the calendar. I'm like, yes, okay, okay, I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> so I love that. But I mean, I just want to touch on the point that you made about like, how do I really uh, like find people or attract people? It's really, I think one thing is people need to know you exist. So I have a website. It's very nicely well built. It has a lot of pictures and it's very attractive. So um, we also use Indeed. Um, you'd be surprised and I really encourage people if you have a nonprofit or if you're even just like even for you with New Rich, if you're looking for like social media person or whatever you're looking for, throw that crap on Indeed because you can uh, people are looking for opportunities to volunteer. At one point we had um, a certain roles open on Indeed and we had like 100 applicants and I was shocked because I was like. It's free. It's, uh, okay, that's what I was about to say. It's, it's a free. So, so you posted it like a free volunteer yes, position. Yes, and people were applying because people want to be part of something big. And But at the same time, I had a great website. So it's like I have this job offer. Here's the website. You can learn about it. And people could see that we were real, legit, and doing really, really great things. And then we also made roles that were virtual. Like, you know, you don't need a social media manager physically in Orlando. You can have someone anywhere. So... Um, that's just advice, but really it's just like your presentation is important. And once you have great presentation and people know about you and you kind of make it known that you're looking to have people join your team, eventually you'll attract people, but you have to be very good at vetting people out too. Cause we've had people join our team that immediately, you know, realized it wasn't for them. And it's like no hard feelings. It's okay. This is just the direction we're going in. And you have to be okay with like walking away from things and being detached now that's good i think that um you know one thing that i had to learn and realize was people really want to be a part of something man and they don't you know sometimes fear you know they don't they don't go out and create it they have these thoughts and they have these ideas and and they see somebody else with a similar energy like i always say in my in my thing whether it's in business or whatever you're doing people want to hang around people that they're like mm-hmm. or they want to be like yeah you know and, and and if you if you fit one of those categories for them with what you're doing they're like some people just don't sorry excuse my line they don't have the balls to do it <laughs> right and so like they see you doing like you know what I don't got to be Michael Jordan. I could be Scottie Pippen, Steve Kerr. Like, let me join this team. And then if you have good presentation, good leadership, all of that good stuff, you know, people people follow, right? If you lead, I think that's one thing you do very well is you lead by example. You're not asking anybody in your team to do something that you're not willing mm, yeah. to get it in. <laughs> into the pain and do like uh, you work countless hours you put in the grind and i think that's something that's important right like people are like oh why did you join zach or why did you go home first because like my man zach gets in the pain like he's there he's he's running full-fledged you hit on something that i wanted to touch on real quick before i translate into your music you talked about your pride 
right? Mm -hmm. And I want to touch on this, you know, because maybe there's people that they're making their six figures now or or they're on the verge of making their six figures. And, you know, we kind of glorify this whole six figures thing. And I remember, you know, I, I had great people around, but I even got air like, how did you manage pride, right? Like catching success early on and making money early on. Like, how did you manage your pride? Um, I think pride... Um, I don't want to say there's a level of there's a level of confidence you have to have, period. Like you can't be 100 percent like, oh, just wishy washy and let people step all over you. Um, but I think that there is a there's a and it's part of being a leader. And I've, I've, I have not always been like this. I had to learn through a lot of trial and error. Um, and I've had mis- a lot of mistakes in my career where, you know, they've they've set me back several years from advancing. But I think. Pride is just something that eventually you have to learn to like let go of because it's going to ruin your future, especially when you're working with people. You can't work with a team and be prideful. That's good. I think people with pride do really well at a desk with no accountability and no one that they have to manage. Yeah, just competing versus themselves. Uh, yeah, it's just or if you're, you know, you're doing your own thing. I think like, I mean, I, I don't want to say like example but like an example is like a real estate agent for example like that's a hundred percent you driving the business you might have team members under you but you're a single agent doing your thing so if you have pride that's fine like that'll probably get you far because you have to be confident but if you're leading people in a a team it's really hard because people want to be part of something yeah and they need to feel like they have a voice and if you're constantly shutting down ideas you're eventually going to drive people away would you have any advice for like you know somebody that's you know making their first six figures or making their first success like what advice would you have um i think so like not get ahead of themselves if you will um i think it's important to always find ways to give back to the community um i think that helped me with pride as well because even when i like came to orlando i volunteered for nonprofits, and i think that working under other leaders and learning from them and serving them as well naturally like made sure made me keep my pride level down yeah that's big that's big yeah i'm like i'm a boss at work but then like after work i'm serving somebody or i'm you know i'm helping someone else build their business or helping someone else achieve their goals and stuff so i would say like just serve in the community pay your tithes because yeah no that that that, yeah no for sure like that's good i think serving you know like my, my first serving was probably under Bruce Wang and serving his organization. And he was always a very servant person. Shout out to Bruce. Um, and Larry, it, right? I think you had. Uh, Mr. G, Mr. G. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, like I was his mentee. And like, and I think that that was always something, you know, dial. Like when I made my first six figures and I was, you know, I was puffing my chest. I thought I was the man. I was going and making six figures, traveling the world and then coming on Sundays and holding this man's towel and his water mm-hmm. and being there. And it's funny because with Zach, now like you know just naturally like i put him on a pedestal so i like go and grab his water and his thing and he's like stop 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 but it's just something that instilled in me and kept me humble right Mm -hmm. and i think that's important is to be around servant leaders as well and serve them like that that i know like being with dio and tacoa helped me tremendously because it was just seeing like you know it doesn't matter who I am out there. Let me humble myself and be in here. So I like that you said serving because a lot of the times, you know, we again, we just like, oh, I got to do it on my own. I got to do it thing. But I, I'm telling you guys right now, and, and if you follow my story, you know, and Tracy, you could attest to this, like in your own world, like being the mentee, being, be, you know, being able to learn from giants is where mm-hmm. it's at. Yeah. Like, you know, that's really what's going to take you to the next level. Have you had key mentors in like relationships in your life that you really like feel like it has that hand in where you're at now? Yeah, I think definitely having key relationships. I, I last year I have like um, I have a gold book that every year I put my highlights for the year before and I have goals. And some of my goals for last year was to have a key mentor in my spiritual realm which I did have um, my pastor. And then I had like, I wanted a key mentor in finance, a key mentor in like nonprofit. I wanted a key mentor just in music, like just the different things that I was going to be pursuing. I tried to find mentors. And then in my career was the big one. I was like, I need a mentor in my career. And like, thank God he sent me a mentor in my career that actually works for the mother company of our brand. And because of her, I actually got an opportunity to pivot in my career. So I think it's important to... Um, be very clear about like where you're going in life and what like what 
skills you need and then really trying to identify. I think you were really good at this. Like you specifically identified it, identified who your mentor was going to be. And then you chased after that person until you got them. Yeah. And I think you hit on a good point, too, you know, because this is something that I had to learn throughout my like mentor mentee relationship is like I remember when I got my first mentor is like, oh, I got one mentor. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. Right. But you hit on it very good. And people ask this question a lot. Like, you know, can I have multiple mentors? And and, and I I agree 100 percent because, you know, I was that person that was kind of fixated, like just on one person. But then, like, you know, like you said, I tapped into my spiritual mentor and then, you know, like my money mentor and it's all right like in in different mentors mentor you at different capacities too Mm -hmm. like with dio i was able to get more hands-on and be around him x amount of times Mm -hmm. a week there may be that mentor where you know i call them my virtual mentors or there's mentors that shit tony robbins is a mentor 50 cent denzel like they don't know they don't know they don't know but these are right but these are people that i've studied hours and hours of youtube and stuff and or gone to events like those are your mentors too so I, i love that you touch on that you can have mentors for different reasons and different seasons too Mm -hmm. right that's important you know because i remember like you know like like shout out to mr g like mr g was a a, a great mentor in a season Mm -hmm. but then there comes a season where you're growing you're elevating you're taking things to new heights and it's all right to graduate and 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 never leave behind because that's one thing like my first mentor kevin you know kevin with the restaurants i had a restaurant at 18 like i'm I'm cool with all of them right and never burn a bridge i don't believe in burning bridges um so keep them all close to you but it's our right to elevate and, and and transfer so i love all of those key points that you touch so we, we we started off with you're very multifaceted right like that's how we started off and it's cool because it's just flowing in a way that we're tapping on all of these things so we tapped on your corporate and and kind of how you climbed that ladder how you got into fashion and and really just what drives you then we talked about your nonprofit and, and time for tea and and how you manage that and you probably know where i'm going next next is the music right like you're ultra talented when it comes to music um let's talk about that right like one we we had almost at 35 40 minutes of just what you already do <laughs> right now now let's add on music to it how would you describe the type of artist that you are I'm from outer space. No. <laughs> um, I would say I'm an R&B inspirational artist. So um, I love R&B. I think R&B is a genre that's just ever growing. Um, and I love the passion and the sultriness that comes behind the emotion. So I'm very lyrical. And this is just a genre that like fits for me. Um, but I'm inspirational. And I also like to talk about my faith. So um, not overly talking about the faith to the point where I, I don't want to turn people off because I've, I, I know that people tend to get turned off when you start talking too much about something. But I like to throw in subliminally messages about the gospel because my purpose is to, you know, shed hope and to shed light to people. And I don't think you need to necessarily be in church all the time to do that. I think that there's you know, there's already an audience there and I would love to be able to be an artist that's out more and attracting people that maybe on a normal wouldn't be interacting with the gospel, but, you know, they can hear my music and there's like a little small message about, you know, have faith, have hope, you know, count on God, believe in him, things like that. So that's awesome, man. So you've done a lot of cool things with music, right? Like talk about some of the things even up to recently. I know you got a show coming up. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I mean, I, and again, it's been a long journey. Um, and you know, right out of high school, I actually had an opportunity to to pursue music, but I, I had this awesome, weird gig in Japan that I was like, Oh, I'm not letting this one down. So I did that instead. But over the years, music has always followed me. So it's like never just like left. But, um, in music, I mean, I've had a lot of opportunities and I think it's because I've always tried to deliver things with excellence. I'm not perfect. I'm not an expert. Um, but I do do my best and I do give a thousand percent when I can. So like, you know, putting out certain songs have, have granted me opportunities to work with different people like Wintley Phipps, obviously, um, you know, you were there when we actually met Cicely Tyson that time, That's right. um, rest, in, rest peace. in peace. Um, and that was all just things that came from my music. Um, the most recent, um, 
opportunity with Ben Tanker to be able to be on his upcoming album as a feature. So if you guys don't know, Ben Tanker's like, what is he, Grammy nominated multiple yeah. times? Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, because I forgot about the whole CC Tyson thing. Um, you know, when, when I posted that the other day, like, talk about that. Like, you know, being in, in her presence, mm-hmm. one, but I remember, you know, being there with you and you were adamant about meeting her (laughs) right like you're adamant about meeting her and it's crazy because like now you have this story to tell and like people like post her but you really got to like meet her and I think you even hold her hand and she talked to you right Mm -hmm. like talk about like I want to start from outside the room (laughs) like she's in a room right like she's somewhere backstage and 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 talk about how like you maneuvered and and your mind was fixated on getting in there yeah I because I just knew I needed to meet her. Cicely Tyson's just been like, you know, she's just been such a huge hero for a lot of, you know, especially African-American women, but just women in general. She's really strong. And I was always just impressed with like how strong she was even at her age. And she was constantly doing things. Um, And she just moved with such delicacy. So I just remember like, okay, I know she's in that room. I know technically like it's private, but I was like, but my face is on this flyer. (laughs) So I'm technically a special guest here. I walk the red carpet. Um, I think I'm pretty important today, at least tonight. And I was like, I'm just going to walk in. And, you know, there were bodyguards and everything, but we just kind of like walked in like, okay, we're going to act like we just belong here. We just walked straight in. And it was just like we were there. Um, And we had to wait for her because she was like talking to a few other people. But um, we did get a chance to actually like sit and talk to her. And for me, uh, you know, we didn't record anything because out of respect, but I did get a chance to like share with her about time for tea, and she did. Did you get a share. picture? Did you get a picture no, of time? No, I didn't want to. I didn't want to push the issue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where it's just live in the moment, what, absorb. What did she tell you? Because I remember her like kind of telling you something. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I kind of didn't want to share it too much because it was kind of like my little piece of her that I want to keep to all right, myself. All right, all right, that's but I cool. will say it was about uh, it was about where she what she sees time for tea could be. That's good. So, but that's something that I want to keep close to my heart. No, that's dope. That's dope. I respect that. I respect or this that. It's not time yet. You got to know when it's time to reveal that's, certain secrets. That, that, that's yeah. real. That's real too. And, it, and there's a few things that you touched on that is like, you know, sometimes you just got to walk in that mofo. Like you own yeah. that mofo, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that whole night we was like, should we go? Should we not? Like, I don't, like, man, just do it. Like, yeah, there's an art of that, right? Like there's an art of just like owning the moment. And, and shout out to Bruce because Bruce Wang taught me that i love bruce wang man you know if you don't know he helped me start leadership talks and all of that but bruce wang would always talk about like he was the first person that taught me it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is permission yeah like and 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 it was the art like just walk up in that thing (laughs) like you said it and and i remember being in your ear like yo you on the flyer let's go do this thing (laughs) and we went into there and you led you led and, and 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 you actually I, you were the one that actually broke through to actually talk to her because mm-hmm. we got into the room, but then it was like the whole next step, right? Because like, like once we got in the room, but now we have to actually get to her. Yeah. So let's let, let let's talk about that. Like, what what is that niche of like getting into the room? But then there's this also there's this act of action, right? Because mm-hmm. there a lot of people could get into the room, right? You know, like it's one thing to get into the building, but but it's another thing to get on the stage and then there's another thing to get backstage right so like i have experience in that too right walking to the back yeah like so 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 what is that act of like what clicks that says i like you know you have to be able to just turn off your doubt Mm. like naturally you have your you have your conscious that's telling you if you do this this could happen and this might happen and they might walk away and they might push you out and they might tell you to not so you have to like turn that off and literally just enhance the sound in your head of like this is the only chance you have this is your moment you have to do it now you have to do it so whenever i'm in that moment because i've also had experiences where i've gone to a concert to i I went to go see um buraca som sistema it's a brazilian band that i was like infatuated with and it was in new york i forgot where we went it was one of the um theaters in new york but anyway it was I remember like I want to meet them and right after they got off stage something just inside me was like just go backstage <laughs> and and I was with some friends and I was like who wants to go backstage they're like now we can't go and one dude was like I'll I'll go with you so I was like oh hey let's go 
So now it was like, okay, now I have a partner in crime, so I can't look bad in, t- in front of him. That's I got to go. That's good. That's good. And we just walked right up on the stage, like walked up to the stage and then walked behind the stage and then just walked up the steps and just looked straight. Like no one can see us. We're just going to walk straight and walked right up to the um, to the band and then just started talking to them. But we got past everything and it was just. Were you able to talk to the band and like. Yeah, sh- we took pictures. I got her. I got her um, Instagram. I got her YouTube. I got her number. She was like texting me after that. So it was it was great, but to answer your question, there just has to come a time where you literally just turn off the doubt and yeah. you just turn on the other voices that are telling you like it's your only chance, you have to take it, it's your moment, and it's just like you just feel a push that just like forces you. Jump, you almost yeah. like black out, I yeah. think, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's like this tunnel vision, right? And, <laughs> and there's there, there there's it's interesting, man, because there's so many times where you doubt. That's what I was I was listening to something yesterday, like that's when the biggest opportunities come, mm-hmm. right? When you shut off that damn voice and you just like turn on the other crazy voice that's <laughs> yeah. like, yo, do it. Why wouldn't you do, do it? it? You're right here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And 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 that's like and I guess with everything, right? It's like everything, all of your greatest achievements are on the other side of fear, right? So I, I, I guess my next question is, how do you deal with fear? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. I think fear exists and never goes away. I think you just have to learn how to like rise above it or also use it. Um, even when I perform, actually I performed two weeks ago on stage and I don't know why I was so afraid, but it was just one of those those performances where I was just like, my legs were shaking. I was supposed to dance. I couldn't even dance. Like, I was just like, oh. You're saying like during the performance? Yes, I just like, I forgot all my moves and I was just like, I'm just shaking right now. I'm so nervous. Um, people didn't, I mean, the people. People never noticed. That's the thing. Yeah, or they were just being nice and didn't say anything. But my friends said that they didn't notice. But honestly, like, Eventually, it's just kind of like the same thing. Like you just have to kind of take the fear, the adrenaline of the fear and turn it into like positive energy and just push your way through it. It's like if you don't want to fail, then you're not going to fail. So it's like when you're in the moment and you're feeling afraid and you're shaking, you still have to just do it because the worst part is you walk out, you run away and then you never have that opportunity ever again. So those are the things that go through my mind is like, okay, Tracy, you're afraid, but like you have two options. You either do this and do it scared or you don't do it and you lose the opportunity. That's good. So. All right. We're, we're going to wrap up, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. And you know, I put you on the spot. So can you drive some bars for us? Sing a little some like bars, like, 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 you know, sing, sing, sing something. It could be your song. It could be another song, whatever it is. Just like, you know, give, give, give us a few, give us a taste. If I would go, you know, Google Tracy Bibbs or, or why should I go to your Apple music right now? <laughs> why should I go? Yeah. Why should I go? Like, like, like you would do, you would, you, you, I don't know. I, I, let me give you a little taste of something to, to tell me why I should go to to your YouTube. Okay. Um, I'll sing empire. All right. Like all right. My favorite song. Right. How much time do I have? Like 10 Not seconds? Yeah, whatever you got, okay. whatever you want to ride. Like now? Just right start? now. Let's okay, go. Okay, you got to be ready to stay ready. <laughs> okay. Baby, it's you and I. Let's light the world on fire. Baby, it's you and I. Let's light the world on fire. This is the moment. It's golden. The throne's in the open. Let's build an empire. Whoa. All right. All right. That was dope, man. Uh, what is it called? Poetry Snaps. That was dope. I appreciate you doing that. So T-Fibs, we are going to close on this. So tell the people where to find you. Where do they find your music? Where do they find time for tea? Where do they find everything that you're doing right now? Go ahead. You got your 15 seconds of fame. Don't be shamed, baby. <laughs> okay. Um, you can find all of my stuff on under the same name. So at Tracy Phipps, um, T-R-A-C-E-Y, and then Phipps is P-H-I. PPS. There are no L's. People always put L's in my name. So Tracy Phipps, and that's on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and then for Time for Tea, it's www.timefortorlando.com. 
Is, com. It, is that the number four? Yes, or? the number four. All right, awesome, awesome. So you could go ahead and donate on there, right? You can sponsor yes, on there. Go ahead. Sponsor. You know, this is the new Rich Podcast, so so our pockets is nice. So go ahead and go ahead and go over there and sponsor the Time for Tea. You know, great cause. Um, we didn't really touch on it, but your program is in schools. Um, your Time for Tea, you're teaching young girls etiquette. You're teaching yes. them mm-hmm. the, the game, and that's something you know I want to tap into as well. So I love that you do that. You know, you really pour back into community, and and, and that's dope. So again, today we had the famous, infamous, oh, you know, I'm just speaking into the existence, hey, right? Okay, hey, I received that. Right, Tracy Fitz. have a show coming up. So okay, tell us, they dropped the show, drop the yeah, show before February we go. February 25th, I Love R&B um, with Fusion. Um, that's going to be out at Soundbar. So okay. tickets are on my Lincoln bio on my Instagram at Tracy Phipps. Well, so you guys can also purchase tickets for that too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for your time. You're doing amazing things. I know we didn't get to talk about the next step of your career because that's like hey, it's top secret alert. Top um, secret. But, you know, I'm super excited for you, everything that you're doing. Um, you're going to continue to do amazing things. Guys, now let's pay the bills. You know what to do. If you listened all the way right now, go ahead and scroll all the way down and give us five stars wherever you're listening to. And if you're really feeling juicy and you've been moved by this interview go ahead and write us a review and guys you already know how we pay the bills it's all about the merch baby so go on beingnewrich.com the link is in the description get in support guys thank you from the bottom of my heart you have now tuned in to another new rich podcast i'm out peace new rich